This is the other Bundesliga podcast, the Austrian football podcast in English. Today we'll be looking at all 12 Austrian Bundesliga sides and how they've started off in the early part of this season. Welcome to the other Bundesliga and this edition covering the 12 Austrian Bundesliga sides and how they've got on in the opening part of the season. There's been so much European action and so much other stuff going on in Austrian football this year. It's been a great season so far for Austrian football. So that means we've uh, we've rather neglected the actual Bundesliga a little bit here on the other Bundesliga podcast. But true to our name, we've come back to the Bundesliga and we're going to tell you about how all the clubs are looking uh, both at home and abroad and all of that sort of stuff so far after 10 matches early on in the season. So it makes sense to me to start at the very top with Red Bull Salzburg. What have you made of them, Lee, after 10 games? They're unsurprisingly sitting pretty at the top of the table, but they've got a new coach this year, Jesse Marsh, of course. Um, how have they bedded into life in the Bundesliga under him? Well, I think we we're all a bit dubious, weren't we? Um, when the transition came in the summer, when Marco Rose's very successful tenure finished, and he then moved to, to Gladbach, and so many players uh, exited the the door as well. But Jesse Marsh has made the best start ever to a new coach in the in the Bundesliga. The quality of the football is is so high. Where do you start? Just such a talented team all the way through, from from back to front. Um, Haaland's obviously got a lot of plaudits for his efforts in Europe. But his, I think, 17 goals, is it, in nine games so far domestically? Or is that in all competitions? Yeah, it's in all competitions, isn't it? Yeah. But he's, he's top of the, the Bundesliga goal-scoring charts, as also is, is our, our, our favourite Zambian, Pats and Dakar. Both of them, at the moment, they're averaging a goal in the Bundesliga at uh, 54 and 52 minutes, respectively, which is obviously it's an outstanding rate because... Dakar's often used as, a, as an alternative to cu come on from the bench. And yet he's, he's just banging in the goals whenever he, he gets his opportunity. There's just such a wealth of attacking options in that team. And I think, um, you know, they had that draw against Lask. Lask being the, the only team that have taken any points off of Salzburg so far in that 2-2 in that draw. But otherwise, they've just, they've, it's been a, a good team that got better, basically. They've scored 46 goals in their first 10 games in the Bundesliga, which is quite phenomenal. They've conceded nine, which is very good, but it's not the best in the Bundesliga. You have to stick around to find out who that is. Plus 37 goal difference, nine wins, one draw, no defeats. Top of the league by five points. You've got Haaland top with 11 goals in the Bundesliga. Dakar is third with nine goals in nine games. Huang Hee-chan second on the assist list with six assists already as well. Haaland with uh, four more for his own part. Uh, Farkas on as well basically they've got goals all over the pitch they've got assists all over the pitch unsurprisingly they're looking really really good Lee what do you think uh, what was their best moment of the season so far what's, what's the most exciting thing that's happened to Salzburg this season and perhaps what was their worst moment as well I mean it's going to be very much tempered by the fact that they haven't really had any bad moments but um, yeah what's, what's sort of the high and the low point so far in this early part of the season for Salzburg if you're talking about highs, then obviously, 
you know, we've covered the Champions League enough, I think, so far, and that's not the purpose of this pod. But in the league, they've had some, some crazy wins. You mentioned there the amount of goals they've scored. Um, that 7-2 victory over Hartberg really sticks in the mind. Uh, another one of Haaland's hat-tricks there. Then, obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about this a bit later, but their, their extra-time victory over Rapid Vienna away in the second round of the the OFB Cup in a, a repeat of last year's final. I mean, they've just all been high-scoring games. In terms of low points, losing Antoine Bernard to a, a broken shin is, is a big loss for them in both domestic and European competition. He's expected to be out for a, a couple of months, and that's a big blow. Um, and also, of course, they they could count themselves quite fortunate to have got that 2-2 draw against Lask, I think. Lask were 2-0 ahead in that game. And, you know, Salzburg, you know, I suppose they'd take it as a positive that they never give up and they, they managed to turn a, a defeat into a draw. But at the, at the same time, that was probably, I mean, it feels crazy saying it, doesn't it, that a draw against your closest challengers last season and, and this season so far too is, is seen as a, a low point. But relative to, the, to what else has happened, it, it is. That really does put things in perspective for Salzburg, doesn't it? Their, their one draw has to be the low point by the fact that it's the only game that they haven't won this season um, except in the Champions League as you mentioned there Lee yeah we do have another series of podcasts by the way so if you're interested in how these teams are getting on in Europe then we've got European Match Day 1 roundup and the European Match Day 2 roundup of course there will be more coming for each match day of the Europa League and Champions League um, you mentioned the cup as well and actually yeah why don't we talk about that now um, we'll, we'll do that now whilst we're on Red Bull Salzburg that was one of my favourite games of the season so far uh, second round of the cup was already a repeat of last year's final. It was Rapid Vienna against Red Bull Salzburg, two of the biggest names in Austrian football going head-to-head in round two. Um, just the way the draw came out, good fun though. And that meant we got an unexpectedly big tie early on in the cup and it really lived up to its name. It was a fantastic game. I think that was the closest that Red Bull Salzburg have been pushed in domestic competition this season. Rapid Vienna were at home. There were, I think, about 18,000 fans there midweek cheering on Rapid Vienna and they did they did a great job pushing back uh, Red Bull Salzburg and that's the first team I've seen here in Austria this year really standing up to them. Wolfsburger did okay in the league against them but really I thought Rapid matched Red Bull Salzburg quite well and in the end the whole game sort of went to pot with uh, with the red card for Stefan Schwab and also a red card for uh, Dalibor Velimirovic meaning that the home side finished the game with nine men and then for a lot of the game that meant they were defending a 1-1 draw with nine men. As it was, uh, just this incredible finish to the game, Minamino scored in the 121st minute with the absolute last kick before penalties um, and penalties could have been the, the lottery that knocked Red Bull Salzburg out of the cup early on. Um, elsewhere, yeah, earlier on, um, Dominic Soboslai had opened the scoring with a wonderful set piece, a brilliant free kick. That was just a great game. We spoke to Andy Ulmer as well, the captain, after that. We'll just give you a quick word on Ulmer's thoughts after that match. Um, congratulations on an excellent victory. Uh, you were made to work very, very hard for it in the end. Um, how good does it feel to come through and avoid penalty kicks like that? Thank you. Thanks. Yes, yes, it's a super feeling that super we were able to settle it before it got to penalties. It was a lot of work, over 120 minutes. But fortunately, we were able to make it 2-1 in the last second. It was quite a bad-tempered game at times, a few bad tackles going in. Do you think Rapid perhaps went over the top a little bit today? 
I think that the referee had it well under control. He gave correct cautions and there were a couple of dismissals too. So with that in mind, he did a good job. That's his responsibility, so that he keeps the game under control. And how did it feel uh, playing against nine men with an opposition who've had two red cards like that? Obviously they set up very, very defensively. Salzburg appeared to struggle to break them down, of course. How did that feel out there on the pitch? Once they had two men fewer, they basically just tried to defend their penalty area and then to launch individual counters. We tried to attack via crosses, which they defended very well, right up until that final scene. We need to improve slightly. Do you think perhaps that could be the hardest game on the road to defending the cup title? There are still several rounds to play. Let's see who we come up against. Every match is tough. The cup has its own rules. You saw that today. Despite having two men more, we needed 120 minutes to decide the game in our favour. They were the thoughts of the captain Andreas Ulmer after Red Bull Salzburg's narrow win over Rapid Vienna in the Cup. They live on to the last 16, they're flying high in the league and, as you mentioned, the only team that Salzburg has dropped points against this season are Lask. Unsurprisingly then, it is Lask who sits second, five points behind Red Bull Salzburg in the league table. They're another club, of course, who've got a new manager, another club who are battling in Europe at the same time as battling domestically here in Austria. Valerian Ishmael has come in after a string of kind of unsuccessful managerial roles in Germany, but he's doing a solid job so far. Lask haven't dropped off from last season at all, have they? No, they haven't. It's been a really bright start, and I think it's pretty much been a similar case to Salzburg. New man's come in and... Uh Exceeded expectations, probably surpassed what his, maybe even, yeah, maybe surpassed what his predecessor had done. Um, I really I really like watching Lask play. They're, um, I mean, they've got the best defence in the league, but they are good going forward as well. Sometimes this season, one or two times, they've struggled for goals. Um, but, but generally, they're, they're a really likeable club. Probably one of their best moments for me was that victory in the league against Rapid Vienna, where we were at the Allianz Stadion. And it was right at the death, wasn't it, that, that Marco Ragutz popped up to, to slot home that winner. Um, big moment for them. Keep, kept them, you know, within reach, vaguely within reach of Red Bull Salzburg. Um, and one of the things that's impressed me most has been the fact that, like you said, they are competing in European competition. Now, for a lot of clubs that have not competed in, in Europe before, that might have really, you know, stretched their squad thin. But they... They seem to be coping well with the, the Doppelbelastung, as the Germans call it, the, the dual load that they've, they've been dealt with. Um, none of their results have really suffered so far. Of course, as we talked about in our Euro roundup, perhaps a disappointing moment away in Lisbon. But in the league, they've got some very, very good victories. Um, you know, they've, I think over the last, just since the last international break, I think they've, they've had something like five domestic games or, or something like that. They've won four of them and drawn the other against Red Bull Salzburg. A lot of away wins in the mix there, which is always very helpful if you're trying to, to challenge at the top as well. Yeah, Lask actually top of the away table, having played six games away from home uh, and won all of them. 
what a great effort that is with a plus 11 goal difference as well away. And strangely enough, they're only eighth in the home table out of 12. I mean, it's slightly biased by the fact that they've played fewer home games than some. Like Most teams have played five home and five away. Lasker played six away and won them all and played four at home. But they've only got one win from those four games. But they're still plus 12 goal difference overall. Seven wins, two draws and one defeat thus far in the league. If we're starting to talk about low and high points for Lask... 18 goals scored, only six conceded, which is quite incredible, really. That's uh, two-thirds of the amount of goals that Red Bull Salzburg have conceded. If you think that two of those came against Red Bull Salzburg, in the rest of the league season, they've only conceded four goals, which is something of a measure of how difficult they are to score goals against. Alexander Schlager, brilliant young goalkeeper, brilliant young Austrian goalkeeper. Gernot Trauner, one of the most talked-about players in Austrian football, absolutely solid at the back. It's not just those two as well. They've got a good squad throughout. The only worry is probably... There's, there are a lack of goals. I think it does say something as well about Lask that what we're picking as probably their most negative moment of the season, their, their lowest moment, perhaps being a, a loss away, a 2-1 loss away at Sporting Lisbon. It's only so disappointing because they, they should have done better and they could have done better. And this is, you know, against Sporting Lisbon. So their lows should also be tempered by the fact that if, if the lows for Lask are that they didn't make it to the Champions League group stages and the lows for Lask are that they're losing 2-1 in the Europa League to Sporting, Things are going pretty well there. I think that compared to what they'll have seen a few years ago, especially before they got promoted, I think that the, the Lask fans would have been quite happy to experience those lows, so to speak. Yeah, who's, uh, who stood out for you in a, in a good or bad way at Lask this season? Um, Dominic Fries has come into the team at times playing instead of Goiginger, and he's done very well. Ragutz as well, because obviously there was the loss of Jao Victor to Wolfsburg, who followed Glasner there last summer. Massive blow for them. Um, he's done well when called upon um, like I said with that goal against Rapid a, a huge huge moment for him sort of cemented his, his place in the team now um, it's hard to look past of course the rock that is Gernot Trauner at the back and um, yeah I mean there's just strength all through the team James Holland as well I'm a big fan of his energy in midfield it's just a it's, it's a unit, isn't it? I mean, they, they do have a lot of in good individual players, but a as a whole, they, they work so well together. Everyone knows exactly what they're doing and when. Um, and they're just they're just I think they're a team that's punching above their weight. But we've sort of got used to it now, haven't we? Because last season it was a wow, Lask the surprise package. Now it's wow, Lask one of the top three again. And of course, you do never know how long it's going to continue. There could be a number of clubs that come in for their players next summer. But, but nonetheless, they are, they are achieving well above what you'd expect them to do. So you can only commend the executive management there who have clearly ensured continuity as they've switched between managers. And, you know, credit to them. You can say this now, but credit to them for giving Valerian Ishmael the chance because, like you said, he had some very unsuccessful spells, I think, at Nuremberg and then a very short spell as an interim manager uh, for Wolfsburg. So, yeah... Everything seems to be working out well in Linz at the moment. Yeah, I've been really impressed myself with uh, Reinhold Ranftel at right back. I think he's really come into his own this season. I wasn't sure whether he'd cope with the switch, the, the level moving up to European football. And he's really coped very, very well. Um, played a lot in the Bundesliga, played in the Europa League, played in the Champions League. I think he's acquitted himself very well at all levels, getting forward really well, really adjusting nicely to uh, Valerian Ishmael's systems at Lask. And of course, you mentioned him early on, uh, Marco Ragutz, the half Austrian, half Croatian striker. He's been a pleasant surprise this season. That being said, Lask could do with a few more goals. Anyway, let's move on down the table. Or should we mention Lask's Cup so far? 
Yeah, yeah let's talk. Let's talk quickly about Lask in the cup. They played against Vina Victoria in the last rounds. Vina Victoria, who'd caused an upset in the first round. Lask negotiated that one safely. I think they won 4-1. And uh, yeah, that booked their passage in the last 16. So not too much to say about Lask's cup run, but they're still in there. And uh, it represents a very good chance of some silverware for Lask this season. So that's definitely one for them to take seriously. They got to within a penalty shootout of the final last year. Would have been great to see them in that. Sorry, Rapid Vienna fans, we've been a bit uh, down on your club so far, but that's not not what we mean to do. We've just <laughs> pointed out <laughs> some <laughs> some painful games for, for Rapid so far. That wasn't one of them, but if Lask could uh, go one step further this time and get to the final, you'd have to say they're probably the club with the biggest and best chance of actually beating Red Bull Salzburg over 90 minutes in a cup final. I definitely think that, that that's the case for sure. I mean, only this this morning, being the, the football nerd I am, I was watching a repeat of the 2017-18 uh, Cup Final, which is available in full length on YouTube, by the way, um, <laughs> which, of course, was where Sturm Graz um, beat Salzburg in extra time in the Cup Final, thanks to Heerlander's goal. And it, it does prove that, you know, although Red Bull Salzburg do have this phenomenal record in the Cup, something like 48 um, tires out of the last 51 you know they are beatable um, and there are teams that can threaten them Rapid proved that, Sturm proved that so I think it's probably Lask's best chance realistically they're not going to get close to Salzburg in a uh, in a long Bundesliga season even taking the split and the halving of points into consideration so I think yeah you're right biggest chance they got Wolfsberger in third. A repeat of last season's top three. They're back here in the top three this season. Another side with a new manager and Gerhard Struber has come in with his experience from the Red Bull junior setup. And what a great job Wolfsberger have done early on in this season as well. So far, they've played 10 games. They've won seven, drawn one, lost just twice. One of those defeats was against Red Bull Salzburg as well. So that's fair enough, I suppose. What about the highs and lows of Wolfsberg's season thus far? There have been so many hires, especially the ones in, in Europe, of course. In terms of the league, they've just been banging in the goals, but then conceding very few. Just if you look back over the last five or six weeks or so, it's only in that blip, that draw they had against VSG Vattens, which finished 2-2, that Wolfsburg have, have actually conceded goals. So you really do need to, to praise their, their central defensive partnership of Solbauer and Rinich, and then, of course, Alexander Koffler behind, because... I think a lot of the credit so far this season has gone to Sean Weissman. Understandably, he's he's come in and he's he's, he's scored so many goals. What a what a purchase! He, well, free transfer he was, yeah. But I think the the defence is operating very well as well. Lindor has continued in the same vein as last season. He's just an assist machine, and popping up, of course, with a, that one strike against Roma. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a great season for them. Obviously, they're still in the cup as well. Uh, Wolfsburg having beaten Wolfsburg in the Wolfsburg derby uh, in the second round by just the 6-0 scoreline. So I think it's it's been a pre pretty pretty much a, a perfect season for them so far. Again, a lot of continuity. The coach has come in. They're playing a similar style of football. Um, I like the fact he's, because obviously he was working at Liefering before, I like the fact that he's brought in with him Anderson Niangbo from the you know, the, the Red Bull Salzburg leafering system. Yeah, he's a young Ivorian striker and he has been chipping in with the goals as well. It's not just been a one-man effort from, from Weissmann. So, and also, the most impressive thing about their transfer business, there were no outgoing expenses and no ingoing expenses. So all operating at, at zero cost. 
which uh, which shows you, you know, like it's it's not t it's not easy doing that. It's quite easy to to sp spend the cash, but when you're forced to to look with no budget at all, not an easy task. So credit to them. What about the low light of Wolfsburg's first ten games? Well, I would have to say, because they've done so well, it's hard to pick them out. But you look at that. Um, that draw that they did have against Vattens, who have not been on good form and they're at home as well. You'd have to pick that out as probably one of their unexpected results. They'll be disappointed with the, the manner of their defeat to Red Bull Salzburg. Losing 5-2 is, is obviously nothing to be ashamed of against Salzburg, but I think, considering all of their other results, it's quite a heavy victory, isn't it? Slightly mitigating circumstances in that Red Bull game as well, though, because it was 3-2 until injury time. I believe. So actually, at that point, nobody had pushed Red Bull Salzburg as close as Wolfsburg managed. And they beat Red Bull Salzburg last season as well. So they almost uh, established themselves as a bit of a bogey team for Red Bull Salzburg. But yet, uh, this time around, Salzburg got two goals in injury time and made the scoreline look rather flattering. But it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. A draw with, with Vatten's disappointing. Looking through the list, I think the player that you picked out for me that's most important, yeah, Michael Lindl. It was so important. I really thought last season was going to be a bit of a one-off for him where he, he starred with all these goals and assists. And you wondered whether... Well, a lot of those seemed to come in kind of high-scoring games where Wolfsburg had really good weekends. But actually, he's been probably even more consistent this year, spreading it out across the board. And you've got Lindel at the moment top of the assists chart with eight goals, uh, eight assists, sorry, and three goals to add to that as well. That's not bad at all so early on in the season. Weissman with 11 goals in nine games. Uh, joint top of the goal tally as well. So that is the, the sign of a very healthy side. Nyangbo, who you mentioned, the 20-year-old Ivorian, six goals in nine games. Not bad effort at all. Wolfsburg also coping very, very admirably with the quest of like playing in Europe and in the Bundesliga back-to-back. -back. They're doing a great job. Credit to them. The side in fourth place, that is Rapid Vienna. Fourth place for a big club like Rapid Vienna doesn't sound like an amazing achievement. But given that they had such a disappointing season last year where they didn't even make it into the top six and they missed out on European football, even after getting through the Europa League group stages last year, what a disappointment that was for them. They seem to have bounced back rather well. And uh, at the moment, to be fourth behind a top three who are all going so strongly is no mean feat. And uh, Rapid didn't exactly fly out of the blocks at the start of the season either. Um, and they've kind of gone under the radar a bit. If you look at it like low-key, their form is, is absolutely excellent. They lost on the opening day to Rebel Salzburg. Great way to, to open the season for a neutral fan, but probably the nightmare start to the season for a Rapid fan. They lost 2-0. For many weeks, that was the best effort that anyone had given against Salzburg anyway. And if you look at now, still Salzburg with that average of almost five goals a game. Rapid's 2-0 defeat suddenly uh, is like probably put into the right kind of relief. That's, it is actually not a bad result against Salzburg. Rapid have played 10 games as well. Won six, drawn two, lost two. They've got a plus nine goal difference. I think their fans should be a bit happier than they perhaps are. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, aside from those two disappointing games in the... Well, Two disappointing results, losing to, to Salzburg in the League and Cup. Rapid have really been good this season. And I think they've been the key difference compared to last season. I think they've been winning games that last season they wouldn't have. Doesn't matter how, but they've been doing it. You just look at their last game before the most recent international break against Mattersburg. They were drawing 2-2 in that game. Up pops Christoph Knassmüller in the 89th minute and gets the winner. 
I feel like that's the kind of game that they would have ended up drawing 2-2 or perhaps even a late winner at the other end last season. Um, and they've been involved in some entertaining games as well. If you go see Rapid this season, you're pretty much guaranteed to get goals. The game before that was a 3-3 draw at home to Hartberg, of course, with uh, Captain Fantastic Stefan Schwab popping up with a 96-minute equaliser in that one. And then, of course, winning away at Vattens, smashing Admiral Vacker at home. And, of course, going back even further before the September international break, winning the Vienna Derby. You know, regardless of where the two teams are in the table, that's a, a source of pride in this city. And they won fairly comfortably 3-1 at the Generali Stadion. So I think if you're, if you're looking just compared to a few months ago, it's, it's a pretty positive time to be, to be a rapid Vienna fan. Yeah, I think so. I think this is the most convinced I've been with Didi Kubauer and his Rapid Vienna since he came in almost a year ago. They're, they are on a very good run of form. Uh, they're difficult to beat. Like you said, I definitely think they would have lost some of those games last season. They keep getting embroiled a little bit. This is the problem. They get embroiled in tough games. And if they could make life a bit easier for themselves, you'd feel like you'd feel a bit more confident that they're going to stay up there come the end of the season. But um, yeah, they did concede three goals against Hartberg. It was unnecessary. They're still a bit back and forth. They still uh, don't seem to be able to control games. And Mattersburg, again, another game that you mentioned, they were, they were twice behind in that game and they did come back and win, but they made it awfully hard for themselves. But um, anyway, it's nice to see them. I think it's important for the league to see the big clubs like that doing well and uh, sticking around at the top end of the table. Who has stood out for you uh, in, in a good or bad way? What have the sort of the good and bad points of, of Rapid's season been in terms of the players? Well, of course, Koya Kitagawa, uh, a summer arrival from Shimizu Espulse in Japan, has, has had a lot of attention on him so far. But I really like watching him play, especially in that, that game against um, Salzburg in the Cup where he got his first goal. I like how he, he adds energy to a team that sometimes I feel is a little bit laboured going forward. Um, he's very fast, looks to transition from midfield to attack. I think he was exactly the kind of player they need. Only time will tell, of course, as to how effective he ends up being. But I think that was a, a good a good buy. It was probably worth the investment. They they paid the same for him, of course, that they, they paid for Ali Baji the year before. And I think he's a much, much more technically gifted player than, than Baji. Um, so he's he's been a good signing as well. Other than that, you'd have to say one of the most impressive players for Rapid Vienna is, is their, their goalkeeper. Strebinger, of course, who's been been made some key saves for them this season to keep them in games. Um, but yeah, I think just generally, I'd, I'd probably highlight Didi Kubau because, like you said, uh, he's he's not really won over too many fans or neutrals since he took over a year ago. And I think up until a few months ago, I was still doubtful about whether he'd you know remain the Rapid Vienna manager for too much longer. But he does, at least in the medium term, seem to have prompted some kind of turnaround. And let's hope for for Rapid's sake that it continues. What I like uh, Rapid this season is they seem to have a bit, a bit more depth. You mentioned how important Strebinger has been, and, and he really has been. He's made some key saves, but he's also been out injured quite a lot as well, unfortunately. He's had a, a lot of problems this season. He's been replaced by Tobias Knoflach on a few occasions. Young goalkeeper coming up at Rapid. He stepped in really admirably and done a great job. Um, Dal uh, Dalibor Velimirovic came up from SK Rapid 2, the amateur side. He was called in to make his debut in the derby of all games, going straight into the starting lineup did a great job and he's stuck around with the first team so that's really good to see that young players are coming through now at Rapid as well and that's something that you're not always able to say about Rapid they've had a kind of core squad for the last few years who have been a little bit underperforming and uh, yeah perhaps that just a few shrewd signings it's the first time in a few years where I think you can look at Rapid and say they've maybe made a couple of good moves as well Kitagawa Max, Maxi Ullmann 
at left back coming across from Lask. It raised a few eyebrows at the time when he moved from, from Lask, given that Rapid were struggling at the end of last season and Lask were looking so strong. But Ullman has been a great addition to that side, like giving them the real uh, power down the flanks that perhaps people thought they would lose, given that they sold Bolly Bolingoli to Celtic. I always felt like Bolingoli was a little bit error-prone, actually, and, and not always as reliable as you might like. And I thought that was a good move for them, actually getting rid of him. No, no offence to Bolingoli, he's obviously a very talented player. But, uh, yeah, sort of having Maxi Ullman in the side instead, I think doesn't really cost them too much at all. So, all in all, a very positive opening to the season for Rapid Vienna. The only sour note, really, will be that they don't have uh, the cup anymore. We mentioned, of course, in detail that... Disappointing defeat to Salzburg. Absolutely no lack of credit there, but either way, it, they are out of the cup and uh, no chance for silverware there. Almost no chance at all for silverware this season, unfortunately, for Rapid Vienna. Nonetheless, yeah, positive times and an upward trend in the green half of Vienna. Those are probably the four sides that are going to be really happy at this stage with how things are going in the season. Already now, we look down to fifth place Sturm Graz and we start to see sides who are a little bit less happy with how things have gone. Um, yet another new manager, Nestor El Maestro, came in, the half English, half Serbian manager. He's got this incredible record of basically never losing when his sides go 1-0 up, except Sturm haven't managed to go 1-0 up very much this season, unfortunately. They are still fifth, but they're four points behind fourth and it feels like the top four is a kind of a separate entity this year. Sturm have won five, drawn one, lost four, and uh, they've got only a plus five goal difference. So not too shabby, only 10 conceded, but only 15 scored. So uh, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. What do you make of Sturm so far this season? I think they're just very inconsistent. You know, looking back through their results here, they started off the season by winning 1-0 away against Wolfsburg, despite having only 10 men. Great result. Next week, Styrian Derby, lose 1-0 to Hartberg. Then lose at home to Rapid, go away and beat Vattens. You know, you can see that you can see the trend here. It's it's very up and down, a, a lot of inconsistencies, and I think that's probably one of the me the reasons that that made Nesta El Maestro flip out so badly in that following that game. What game was that that they were playing? It was, uh, Mattersburg three, Sturm three. Oh yeah, that that's oh, another one of the picks of the season. Mattersburg three, Sturm three. If you get the chance to check out the highlights of that game, do so. Um, but yeah, he really flipped out saying, you know, where have I landed was the translation. You know, what basically what am I doing here? I'm not sure he's got the, the temperament to last in a role too long. If you look at his managerial career, he's obviously moved around quite a lot, never stayed in a place for too long. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on with him at the helm. Um, obviously, they had that very big early season disappointment by going out of the Europa League qualifiers against Norwegians Haugesund. No disrespect to Haugesund, but I thought, mistakenly of course, that they would come through that relatively relatively unscathed. That wasn't that wasn't to be the case. Um, they are still in the cup though, having beaten uh, Austria Klagenfurt 4-2 away in the last round. So perhaps they'll be hoping that they might be able to uh, achieve a repeat of that that famous victory 2 years ago as probably their only chance of success if they could they could get a good a good cup run going because like you say the top 4 just seems to be breaking away now um and unless there's a real turnaround in results I can't really see that changing until the end of the season for me a big disappointment would be that they lost their last game against Austria Vienna 
who have not had an easy start to the season. Strum just finding it really difficult to take that all-important 1-0 lead. And the goals have dried up a bit. Kiteshvili has looked all right up front. He's probably been their bright spark. But I had more hope for them at the start of the season. Jakob Jansche made an explosive start to the season in a Sturm win. Scored a brilliant goal really early on. And uh, he looked good for the first few games of the season. And you thought, oh, great. You know, they could have a kind of more talismanic uh, striker or, or just a more potent attack this season. But ever since then, that's sort of faded. Um, and, you know, things are going OK. They're, st- they're still in fifth. It's no, no major drama, but... As you mentioned there, you know, they've, they've won half of their games and that, that says it all really. They've won half their games and only drawn one, so lost most of the rest. But it's not like good and bad patches either, is it? It's literally one week there's a win, the next week there's a defeat. It's just very hard to predict what they're going to do. Shall we round off the top six then? Moving down to Hartberg, TSV, Hartberg. Good effort from them squeezing into the top six at this point of the season. They've got a minus three goal difference, scored 20, conceded 23, three wins, three draws, four defeats, 12 points. But if the league, well, the league split isn't for a long time, but if the league split was now, they would squeak into the top six. So, yeah, successful start. I went into this season with big reservations about Hartberg because you look at the way they performed last season. They obviously had that good patch in November where they got results against the likes of Rapid, a couple of other bigger name teams. But then after that, they just completely dropped off. They were a bit like St. Poten, and you, you were wondering, are they, are they going to go all the way down the table here? They were sliding down. They, they just staved off relegation. And, but this season, there's, they seem to have done quite well. There were a few interesting purchases. Of course, they lost the likes of Florian Flecker, but they made some interesting purchases, bringing in the likes of Leanhart from, from Altac. Um, and I think they've, they've really overachieved. Of course, they've tailed off a little bit in their last few games. There was that 3-3 draw against Rapid, um, where they you know, were so close to winning. Before that, they lost 2-0 at home to, um, to Wolfsburg. And after that, they lost at home to Lask. Obviously, those are some of the high-flying sides. You might expect that. But otherwise, they've, they've done relatively well. I think probably the real highlight for them will be that win in the Styrian derby we just mentioned against Sturm Graz. I don't think many people were expecting that. And for a team operating on what was last season the lowest budget in the league, I'm not sure if it's still the lowest budget following the uh, the promotion of VSG Vattens, but operating on such a low budget and still doing so well. I see Marcus Schott being a, a contender to move to one of the, the bigger teams in the league at some point because he's really worked wonders with Hartberg since taking over from, from Christian Ilsen. My low point for Hartberg would be when they went out of the cup in the first round against Vina Victoria, a real upset, they went out on penalties and you thought, ah, this is going to be a really, really tough season for them. They were sort of looking nailed on to be right down there in the relegation mire. I know it's only early days and, you know, they may well end up there yet, but they've really impressed me since then. I thought at that point, getting knocked out of the cup early on and going into the season, everything seemed to be in disarray a little bit at Hartberg and they only just scraped to survive on last season. But, They've just managed to, to avoid that completely and they've kind of just got on with their own business and they've been, they have been a bit inconsistent. But yeah, players like Sonogo, who I really liked on the wing last season, he left. Um, you worried for them. You worried for them a bit. But as you mentioned, a couple of signings, they've done all right. And uh, Dario Tadic, can't, can't say fairer than this. Eight goals in nine Bundesliga games this season for Dario Tadic. A solid penalty taker, just a goal scorer. He's just the, the kind of goal scorer you need. He's a, he's, a, he's a unit. They can break away at pace and Tadic is often there to get the job done and, and convert 
and, and that's exactly what you need to survive in this league. I think if they've got Tadic firing on, on good form for the rest of the season, well, I think they'll stay there or thereabouts in mid-table. Um, mid-table itself being a quite interesting proposition in the Austrian league, bearing in mind that mid-table means you're really on that borderline between getting into the top six after 22 games or being in the bottom six after 22 games and, and stuck there for the rest of the year. Talking of bottom six, let's move down to the side in seventh place, and that is Austria-Vienna. Probably the most disappointed club of all 12, I would say, this season. Their aims would have been much loftier than seventh place. And even that, in a way, seventh place has uh, has been aided by the fact that they got a surprise win in their last game. Um, and they, they could be a lot further down the table. They've got a minus six goal difference, scored 14, conceded 20, three wins, two draws, five defeats. And since Christian Ilzer took over at the start of this campaign, so much more would have been expected of the violet half of Vienna. Yeah, I was, I was speaking to some of the staff at Austria-Vienna um, before the season started, and I think they, they were genuinely filled with optimism going into this season, bringing a young, talented coach like Ilza. They brought in a few players as well. Uh, Eric Palmer-Brown's come in from, from Manchester City. Um, yeah, it just hasn't gone to plan. Aside from that, thumping 5-1 victory away at Mattersburg in, in early August, there really hasn't been too much for them to cheer about. And it's not necessarily entirely the results, but watching them play as well, they are a bit laboured. Um, and they've had some, had some shockers. I mean, losing 3-1 at home in the Vienna Derby will not have gone down well with the fans. They obviously went out of the cup in spectacular style, losing 5-2 to Vattens in the second round. Got spanked 4-1 by Red Bull the next week, although obviously many clubs do do get that kind of um, result handed to them. And then just managing to, to scrape a 1-0 home win against Sturm Graz before the international break to relieve some of the pressure on Ilza. So like you say, it's been a hugely, hugely disappointing start to the season. The only one positive note that I would uh, single out has been Christoph Mornschein who is right up there in the in the scoring charts. I'm sure you'll provide us with some lovely and precise, precise stats in a minute. Yeah, eight goals in 10 Bundesliga games and two assists as well, putting him up there with one of the top uh, point scorers in Europe, actually, for his form, which in a crisis club like Austria Vienna is really quite something impressive. Um, an easy highlight there, Christoph Monschein. Um, the low light in terms of players for me at Austria-Vienna has been the whole of their defence. They've really struggled. They've had injury troubles, to be fair. Michael Madl picked up a really bad injury in that win that they got against Mattersburg, and that's thrown their defence into chaos. Uh, Ilse has tried so many different types of defence. Um, even, you know, you've seen Alexander Grunwald, one of their other, probably their only other player who I think has been pretty solid this season and come out with a bit of credit. Uh, he's been utilised in so many different positions at the back now for, for Austria-Vienna to try and bring some stability. But it's, uh, yeah, I feel a bit for Ilza in a way because, you know, he's obviously a talented coach, did a great job at Wolfsburg and now really, really struggling at Austria-Vienna. But as Herbert Prohaska, Austrian football legend and Austria-Vienna legend has sort of pointed out, what's the point of being annoyed at Christian Ilza? He's obviously a good coach. Firing the coach doesn't solve any of Austria-Vienna's problems. They've got bigger, like more institutional problems and they've brought in now Peter Stöger, which is a big name in the German-speaking football world. Peter Stöger is now their sporting director. It takes time to fix things off the field for any club um, and Austria-Vienna expect changes now. 
and that's going to be incredibly difficult to implement. But hopefully they can start pointing things in the right direction because, honestly, when I look through their side, I just don't see much quality. You're looking at players like Bright Adam Wanyi up front, hasn't got a goal this season, I don't think, or you know, hardly made any impact, doesn't play that much. They're just really, really struggling going forward. And basically, the workload has all come down to... Christoph Monshine. I mean, Dominic Fitz is trying his best uh, up on the left of a front three if he if he gets a game, but it's just looking so so difficult for them. They don't know their best formation, so a lot of doom and gloom. The fans really really unhappy at the Generali Arena, often protesting with every game. It's just a really really bad atmosphere in the club. As you mentioned, they're out of Europe, uh, they're out of the cup as well. Well, hopefully the only way is up for Austria Vienna. Let's see. The only way for us, though, is down because we'll move down to eighth place, and that is SV Mattersburg. Incredibly inconsistent this season. I've worried about them being the worst side in the league on many occasions, and then on the next game after each of those times, they've just got a win seemingly out of nowhere. You absolutely have no idea what you're going to get from Mattersburg this year. Minus 11 goal difference. They've suffered some absolute spankings. Scored 14, conceded 25, three wins, one draw, six defeats. Eighth place at the moment for Mattersburg. Like you say, they've they've got a very leaky defence. If you look at their first three games of, of August, they did come against, obviously, big-name teams, Red Bull, Salzburg, Austria, Vienna and Wolfsburg. But nonetheless, in the space of three games, 14 goals conceded. That is far, far too much. Um, but probably the lowest point, I would argue, came in the Cup to go out to a very, 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 I repeat, very uninspiring St. Poulton side, 2-1. Is a real blow to them, and I, I think they would have really been been hoping for much better going into into that tie. Mattersburg do at times play well, but like you said, they are just woefully inconsistent. And I'm not really sure that Ponweiser, their new their new manager, really knows his best formation. There seems to be a lot of chopping and changing, just a whole load of inconsistencies. So I'm really, it's really difficult to predict where they're going to end up because a good run of form, and you know they could shoot into that top six. But I just can't see it coming because at the moment I think that the sides above them in the league are playing with much more consistency and have a lot more quality throughout the squad. Having St. Poden as your bogey team this year, they've lost to them in the league and cup. That has to be their lowlights. That, that's terrible. I know they've taken some absolute pumpings by other sides, but they've then sort of come back and, and got over those. But losing to St. Poden in the league and cup is dire this season. In terms of personnel... I was really disappointed to see that Christoph Halper picked up a nasty-looking injury in the last game against Rapid Vienna because he's yeah constantly one of the players at Mattersburg who I've liked the most. Um, Halper, really exciting young attacking midfielder, takes a pot shot from outside the box, scores a lot of goals from outside the box as well. Just looks really good going forward in in that Mattersburg side, and yeah, hopefully he recovers from concussion easily and, and well and gets back into it. And somebody who caught my eye last season, Marco Kvassina up front, the centre forward, tended to pop up with loads of important goals. And he hasn't been able to do that that much this season. The top scorer at the moment is Gruber, Andreas Gruber, the uh, left midfielder. And he's got six goals in nine games, which is actually pretty impressive for that side, to be fair. But um, a bit of a struggle for Franz Ponweiser and his team. So at the moment, they're still well in the race for a spot in the top six. I think they've got enough quality in that squad to stay up. Moving down to ninth, and the team that came up, that is VSG Tyrol, formerly known as Vattens, the artists formerly known as Vattens, um, with their Swarovski crystal backing. They scored 13, conceded 20, 
two wins, three draws, five defeats. They're down in ninth place. And it all looked so good. They claimed a famous opening day victory against Austria Vienna. It hasn't been quite so easy since then, has it? No, it really hasn't. I think, to be honest, given that they knocked Austria Vienna out of the cup as well, they would probably like to just play them every week and they'd pr <laughs> probably be quite close to the top of the table. But no, there have been a few heavy defeats in there. I think it's probably to be expected from a promoted side. Um, I don't think ninth is a, is a terrible place for them to be at this stage of the season. I like their coach, Thomas Silberbauer. He's the longest serving manager in the Austrian Bundesliga by some five years, I believe. He's, it's a real long term project for him there. And I think they are, they are doing all right. You know, uh, I can see them getting sucked into a relegation battle as the season progresses. But for the moment, it's okay. They do play some nice stuff as well. They like to, to get the ball down and, and pass it. They like to keep possession. There is a, a philosophy there. Um, and so I, I think they're probably about where they should be at this stage of the season. Yeah, the interesting thing for, for me with them is this, their sort of state in Tyrolean football. Their arch rivals, Vaca Innsbruck, went down last season. Um, they've now moved into Vaca Innsbruck Stadium, the Tivoli Stadium in Innsbruck. They're not from Innsbruck. They didn't really want to move there. They didn't want to go there, but the Bundesliga sort of forced that upon them. And it's just all the signs point to the fact that VSG Tyrol are sort of trying to become the force of football down in that part of the world, which is pretty dangerous uh, situation. It's a pretty dangerous situation for Vaca Innsbruck. Um, and... It was, it's just a bit awkward, you know. A few of the Vaca Innsbruck players made the direct move straight over to VSK Tirol um, this season, you know, to replace the club going down. They wanted to stay in the Bundesliga. Florian Buchacker, left-back, made the move over, experienced at 32. Florian Rieder, in central midfielder, uh, the central midfielder, he moved over as well, as did Vaca Innsbruck's star striker, the veteran Slovenian Zlatko Dedic. He moved over as well. He's got a few goals to his name at... Um, at VSK Tirol this season uh, probably the most exciting young player perhaps on the list would be Kelvin Yeboa mm. the the formerly known as Tony Yeboa's son but not actually Tony Yeboa's son uh, the ex-Leeds United striker um, it's, it's actually his nephew I think mm -hmm. is it yeah Kelvin Yeboa his, his nephew he's only 19 years old half Italian and uh, and half Ghanaian as well exciting he really uh, came onto the scene with that cup win over Austria Vienna didn't he I think he got a hat trick in that game um, but we haven't seen too much of him in the league yet so perhaps he'll be trusted uh, in the league they've got another Ghanaian as well actually Felix Ajayi is quite dangerous on the left of midfield but some of their more experienced heads people like Florian Mada he's got almost 300 Bundesliga appearances to his name 37 years of age like he's been doing alright in there yeah it's hard to know with that side coming up they did win a very difficult and very competitive league uh, Liga 2, the second division last season so I guess they'll be reasonably satisfied with ninth place at the moment but I guess their goal will be to stay in the Bundesliga Down into the bottom three then, Altac 16 goals scored, 26 conceded 2 wins, 1 draw 7 defeats, 10th place not where Altac want to be at this point of the season no, I mean, there are a few teams, namely the bottom three, where you would say they've been disappointing. But I would say I did not expect this from Altac this season. And I think that's the key difference between them and the two teams below them, St. Putin and Admira Vaca. When um, Alex Pastor, the Dutchman, came in as the new coach in March, there was a bit of an upturn in results. They did quite well in the, the 
when the league split and in the bottom half of the table last season, they did quite well against the teams around them. Um, I think they notably didn't they beat Hartberg by scoring put six goals past Hartberg at one stage last season as well. Um, but it's been a very different story so far this season. Some heavy defeats. Uh, I mean, uh, actually, they beat St. Poulton. That's where I got that six from. They beat St. Poulton 6-0 this season. But then a couple of weeks later, lost 6-0 against Red Bull Salzburg. I mean, many teams do, like we've said. But I, I just don't think I expected this kind of results from Altac. I think the players in their squad, Megan Barisha up front, Gebauer as well, I think the players in their squad are better than some of the teams above them. And I don't think that... I think they, they have underachieved this season, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, an illustration of their form at home. No wins, no draws, five defeats. That is absolutely terrible in, the, uh, in their newly renovated stadium over in uh, Vorarlberg, all out, out west. Yeah, very difficult season. They're probably the most disappointing team for me. I, I thought with um, Alex Pastor, the trainer at the helm, I thought they were one to look towards the top six this season. Hasn't been that way at all. Really disappointing. Um, yeah, hard to know what to say. Just just a tough time all round. I wonder if Alex Pastor will be given time. I hope he is, you know, after he, what he did last season. You mentioned there was an upturn in form. Yeah, worth keeping him on. You just never know if that's the, the whole trainer effect, though. A new coach coming in and things brighten up for a, a short period of time. Um, it's hard to say whether, you know, that's just a short-term thing or he really will be capable of turning things around. You'd like to hope so. Uh, moving down to 11th, St. Pölten. Minus 23 goal difference, the worst in the league. Scored six goals, the fewest in the league. Conceded 29 goals, the most in the league. That does not bode well, does it? One victory, three draws, six defeats. After 10 games, just six points. Alexander Schmidt and his side have not had the best of starts to the season. This is going to sound really harsh, but I'm going to speak my, my true opinion. I don't think they're a, a great addition to the league. Watching them play is not fun. Ever since Didi Kubauer left uh, a year ago, they've been in free fall, especially you know, in the second half of last season. And, and now it's just woeful. Like you said, the worst attack and the worst defence in the league. I think they're going to be in real trouble this season. And the main reason I am more disappointed in them than the team below them, Admiravaka, is because the Admiravaka squad, as I'm sure we'll talk about soon, was absolutely decimated in the summer. They lose so many of their good players. But but St. Poulton, I just they should be doing better than this. Christoph Riegler, their goalkeeper, has kept one clean sheet in the league this season. And I think he's a good goalkeeper. I think that's down to the leaky defence in front of him and the whole team defending as a unit. But, yeah, kept one clean sheet on the 24th of August, which, to tell you how long ago that was, that was only three days after our Jesse Marsh interview. So way, way back in the, the heady days of the summer. And, and since then, it's just, they've just been absolutely shipping goals. So I think that it, the prospects are very bleak for them. Yeah, if you carry over their form from the second half of last season, they must be the team on the worst form by an absolute mile in the Austrian Bundesliga. I think René Gartler is their best player. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't let everything fall to one man in the attacking third of the pitch, though. In mitigation, uh, Kwang Ryong Pak, the North Korean striker, uh, has suffered a really serious injury and has basically not been available at all this season. He's the kind of guy they could deal with at the moment. Big striker, just gets some goals. Um, they're really missing that at the moment six goals scored all season that's absolutely abysmal um, 
yeah, dark times. I guess the highlight for St. Pilton, if you can call it a highlight, would be that they scraped a 1-1 draw against bottom club Admira Vakamudling, which, uh, you know, that says it all really, but Uedrogo scored an absolutely disgusting goal that just trickled into the corner right at the end and that at least avoided uh, a catastrophic defeat to bottom club Admira. So, you know, that's, that's some glimmer of hope. They really need to turn things around if they... Uh, you know, if they're going to stay up this season, because you say the table doesn't lie, but at the moment the table almost does lie when you think how close it is. They've got six points. Admira, as we'll mention in a second, have got five points, but Admira should have beaten them. And, you know, they've got the worst attack and the worst defence. That, that doesn't bode well in a league where only one team goes down, it would suggest. It might well be them. Moving down to the very bottom of the league, though, Admira Vakamurdling. It has been a troubling start to the season. We expected that it might be. There's no, not, not too many surprises there. A very young squad, loads of injuries, loads of, loads of players sold in the summer as well. Perhaps all of their important players sold in the summer in a way. You know, it's difficult for them. But there they are, propping up the table with a mere five points. And their first win, in fact, came on match day 10 so it could be looking even worse for them. They, they've just joined on to the bottom of the league in 12th with five points. I think they're going to be have, have to be hoping for a repeat of last season where, of course, once the league did split into two, there was a little bit of a revival. So you just hope that they can keep in touch with the teams around them or above them, I should say, um, and, and then hopefully put together a good run later in the season. You talk about some of these players they lost. They were good players. These are players that could be representing Austria in the future. You look at Sasha Kaladzic, who went to Stuttgart and then unfortunately got a, a very serious injury very soon. I think he's out for the season, isn't he? That was right at the start of this campaign. Patrick Schmidt as well, uh, one of my favourite players last season, very quick, playing on the shoulder of the defender, is now enjoying the weather and delights of Barnsley in the, in the English Championship. Stefan Sviosic, who's moved to, to Austria-Vienna as well, was a, a key figure in their defence last season. And I think he's, he's been a real big blow at the other end of the pitch. Went on a free transfer as well, so they didn't even recoup any money for him. So you, I, I did kind of figure it would be a very, very difficult season for them. I like them, though. I think they're a likeable club. I think, contrary to the final results of the Austrian club kit trophy we did, they have one of the nicest home and away shirts in the league. Um, but that will be little consolation to them right at this moment. I think it's uh, probably not a great time for the club. No, not at all. Uh, one of the players I did like from last season, Kolja Pusch, he went back to Heidenheim, but has come back to Admira as well. So that could be something for them. Uh, Sinan Bakish, the striker, um, got a couple of goals recently and uh, really needs some more if they're going to carry on doing well. But it shows that there is some talent in there. Evan Hoffer as well, like an, an old an old pro from the Austrian Bundesliga. He elicited a bit of uh, emotion, a bit of a response on his return for Admira as well. But um, he struggled to make an impact so far, the veteran centre forward, Erwin Hoffer. Yeah, hard to know where to go for Admira. But uh, it's easy to feel sorry for them a bit as well because, you know, they've got such a great tradition of bringing through great young players. They're continuing to do that. They're still trying their best. Their average age is ridiculously young. So we sort of hope for them, no offence to the other teams, but we do sort of hope that things turn out for them all right and, and they can stick around and keep producing talent. But uh, yeah, it's, all is not healthy at uh, Admira at the moment. Very low crowds and uh, really struggling to produce on the pitch. At least they're not winless after the first 10. They've got that one win. So could you say 
there'll be a bit of a turnaround. Maybe the form isn't too bad. I wouldn't put them bottom of any prospective power rankings, I think, because in the in recent weeks they've got a draw and a win, which is four of their five points this season. So, you know, form-wise there, there's at least some hope of, uh, of upward momentum. That's about that, isn't it, really? Who's left that's still in the cup that we haven't mentioned? Quite a few teams have been knocked out, actually, already in the Bundesliga. Admira out of the cup as well, uh, losing to Ibrahistorf. That was a shock, but maybe it's best for them to just concentrate on the league at this point see what they can make of it. I think that's enough, isn't it? We hope you've enjoyed catching up with the 12 Austrian Bundesliga teams and how they've been going in the early part of this season. We will, of course, check back in later on to see where these trends are continuing, who's impressing us, who's disappointing us in the Bundesliga um, and see how things are looking before the all-important split. We'll do another roundup, I think, uh, in the next international break, see how the next month of Bundesliga action goes. But if you want more immediate Bundesliga action, of course, follow our Twitter page at Other Bundesliga, where we'll bring you reports of... Uh, all the games that we attend live and updates on all the games that we don't attend live as well. So if you want more immediate Bundesliga information, that is definitely where to go for this podcast. A nice roundup more generally of how the teams have been doing. We'll sign off for this one. We look forward to the next other Bundesliga podcast. See ya. Thanks a lot. If you've enjoyed this episode, tweet us at Other Bundesliga and let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. All music on the Other Bundesliga appears courtesy of Gabriel Geber at Tongeber Studios. For something completely different, why not check out The Amelia Project, an audio fiction podcast co-produced in Vienna. <laughs>